0: Hello, and welcome back to the B-Movie Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Kautzer. Ladies and gentlemen, we are on the sixth edition of OneShot, our kind of down and dirty look at new releases, releases that we've been watching, so on and so forth, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, Scott is actually covering the um, Arrow, uh, Arrow Video Fright Fest out of the UK but it's virtual like all film festivals are and we're going to get to some film festivals in a second um but uh yeah he's covering that right now so uh I'm here just by myself not doing any kind of series per se but just kind of talking to you about the stuff that I've been watching things that are coming up on reviews or reviews that are already out and on the site um So, we're going to kick things off with a new release that is in theaters and drive ins right
1: now. If you're watching this, I'm probably trying to convince you of something pretty unbelievable or.
0: I'm dead. So last week I had talked to you guys about, um, I was rewatching, uh, Benson and Moorhead's, uh, first two films or not really their first two films, but their first two in a series that they're creating. I don't even know if I want to call it a trilogy because who knows what's going to happen after this next film, but I watched Resolution and The Endless and it was in prep for watching and reviewing, uh synchronic uh their newest film uh which debuted last year um at the toronto film festival and is finally getting its release in theaters and drive-ins um by the time you're hearing this it'll be the day that it gets released um i really fucking dug this film guys it's one of those movies that you really need to get on and watch uh you guys need to go ahead and um if you're not already a part of the benson and moorhead train it's if you're a B movie podcast fan and you like what me and Scott watch and what we discuss and, and our general taste, then you really need to catch up with this, uh, directing duo. Um, my review, my written review is already out there. So, you know, there's, you can go ahead and read that, see if that convinces you. If it doesn't, I mean, I don't know what to say guys. Like it's really smart, fun, sci-fi. Um, <clears throat> It's done very well. Um, It's I don't want to ruin too much. I mean, like I already feel like my review ruins enough of the film. I mean, I don't get into true spoiler territory, but what I love about this film is how each time they tackle this world, Benson and Moorhead, the world gets just a little bit bigger um allowing them like this time it's actually it's actually starring like actual stars and that's not a dig at them um because they they were actually the stars of the endless or uh uh, the actors in um uh resolution which is their first film it's just that uh like you know you're dealing with Jamie Dorian and Anthony Mackie who are like, you know, of uh, like of a certain stature, they're, they're stars, they're movie stars, both of them starring in like hugely popular big films. And uh, what I love here is, is that like, I think that people would conventionally think that Jamie Dorian is going to be the lead, especially because of the fact that um, he's the family man and the inciting incident that happens is is something that happens to his family. But the great thing that they do is they like, and this is what they do in their entire filmography. And specifically in this film, they make the smart decision to veer right instead of left. And they focus on the Anthony Mackie character and you go along the ride that you take, you you pay the ticket, you go for the ride with Anthony Mackie. And I think it's the right decision because Mackie brings this, this gravitas and this kind of different kind of energy to a story that is unique in one sense but it's also very um it, it it's very similar to things that have been played out before i just think that they're using certain tropes as an entry point for people like this is their i feel like this is their first big moment like spring may have been like some people argue that spring was their big moment like entry into a greater filmmaking like audience or an audience of greater audience but i would say that Spring still has the whole thing of it being a very artfully done film that, and not to say the Synchronic is not artful. It's just that I think that, like, I make a reference to how smart the script is in the way that it deals with the concepts it's dealing with, and make makes a re- I make a reference to Back to the Future uh, because I feel like I mean, like anybody, like uh, you know. I'm very of the theory that like, you know, uh, back to the future is probably one of the, one of the greatest scripts or, or or directed scripts ever made just because of how it, it relays information without it being information, without you thinking that it's plot information and synchronic does a lot of that um, in a very similar regard, but completely different. And I feel like it, does everything super smart, but it does it in such a way that it doesn't alienate an audience. Um, I would make it as a reference to like something like Looper, where Looper has that kind of similar feel and oomph, uh, like the same way that like you're tackling a subject that can be could be highly complex and you could lose your audience, but you never. As an audience member, you never get lost. Um, I think that it's it's a pretty straight ahead concept that they've found a way to kind of package and delineate. And I think part of that is also the casting and specifically the casting of Anthony Mackey, um as Steve as our our surrogate, and it's just it, it's just a really, really smart and fun film and a good film, and uh it's deep in the way that that, um, Resolution and Endless are deep, but it's also fun in the way that it, that those two films are, but not as funny. I feel like they've tipped over, like, like with Synchronic, it's a little bit more serious. Like, like they're not afraid to get a serious, and a, uh, like there are a few parts of this film that are emotionally, they connect emotionally. Um, I think that they kind of tested the waters with Spring, um, with that kind of seriousness. Um... But I think here it's even more so because there's like, you know, the ending, it it's there's like, you know, there's this ending like, like the ending that uh, sorry, guys, the way that the film ends. It connects with you emotionally um, and it's not just like this, like witty, cute thing, like, you know, like it's not a play on anything. It's just a genuinely um emotionally connected uh, uh ending and i really am i'm really 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 high on this one i really like that uh, you know uh, i really like this film uh, a lot uh you know not to make a pun if you've seen the film you'll know what i'm talking about but it's needless to say i definitely suggest people uh finding this um i know that the theater thing is very Iffy right now, um, I I'm not going to theaters, but I definitely recommend this film. And whoever's comfortable with, like, say, going to a drive-in, I would definitely recommend this film because it's 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 good things. And um, you know, I I feel like everybody should be supporting. Uh, Benson and Moorhead because of the films that they're doing and how they're doing it. They're doing it right. They're not going and making an MCU or DC EU film or fucking young adult novel or some IP. They're creating their own thing. And you shouldn't just go and watch it because they're doing that. You should go and watch the. You should go and watch their stuff because they're doing original content, but they're doing it so fucking well, so so well. Uh, so yeah, uh, go ahead and check out my review on the site. It's already there now. Um, and then also, um, uh, you know, uh, give the film a chance. I definitely say, like, if you're comfortable, that's what I would say. Is definitely if you were comfortable. And with that, we're gonna to get to uh, a couple of films entirely different that I saw at AFI. Were you more intolerant of uh, you? Did you have more kinds of movies you were against when you were a kid than you are now I am? I, I'm,
1: I, I, my, I'm getting to like more kinds of movies. Well, it's so difficult to make movies that uh, you know it's very easy not never to have made a movie and to hate all movies except for a very few. But once you made a movie, realize how much work is involved. I think almost anybody who gets any kind of movie at all made is like, you know, really uh, way ahead.
0: So I just finished my coverage of AFI Film Festival 2020 Virtual Edition. Um, I managed to see approximately 14 films and review those 14 films over about six days, um, which... If you're a reviewer, you know, that's a lot of fucking work, <laughs> but I'm here to talk about I, I, I want to talk about a couple of films, uh, things that are probably going to be, uh, coming to you, uh, fairly shortly and fairly short order. Uh, you can read my reviews of them, but, um, I felt it was fitting that we talk about Dennis Hopper a little bit, uh, just because he, um, at least for me, he's a film, he's a filmmaker that I definitely have, am drawn to. Um, I was drawn to him as an early, like, you know, early in my life because of colors. He made, uh, one of the, like, you know, the first, you know, uh, films about gangs. And of course, like when you're a kid that like grew up in the eighties in LA, I mean, you know, I mean, colors was a thing for or for me and the kids that I, I grew up with. I mean, it was a fucking thing. I mean, we, we were told we couldn't go see the mil- movie. So, of course, you're going to want to fucking see the movie. Um, and then when I did, it was completely... Un- it wasn't what I was expecting it to be. Um, and I think that that's kind of like epitomizes, for me, Dennis Hopper's career. Um, I'm a late bloomer to uh, the last movie. Uh, I didn't get to see it until just recently, maybe in like the last five years. Uh, it's a movie that kind of rocked me. Um, and uh, with that, uh, there are two films that, you know, uh, that AFI that a- 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 has... Uh, was showing uh both i think are going to be available fairly shortly uh one on via blu-ray and uh in a special edition somehow i don't know they didn't really give us the details and the other one i think is going to be a a netflix premiere uh i'm talking about hopper wells which is a documentary of sorts and we'll get into that and then also uh dennis hopper's uh, uh dennis hopper's long lost directed film called out of the blue starring Linda Mance. So first let's just kind of get into, um, Hopper Wells, which is directed by, as I said, Orson Wells. And what it is, is it's, um, some footage. It's, well, it's a lot of footage, uh, that Orson Wells shot for, um, in actually in 1970. Uh, and, It's for the other side of the wind. And what it was, was it was Wells playing his character in the movie, talking to Dennis Hopper about filmmaking. And but Dennis Hopper is playing Dennis Hopper or a version of him. Um, But when you see this movie or this documentary conversation, which is about 130 minutes shot in black and white beautiful, beautiful black and white, low low light. Um it's just it's high contrast, like sixteen or thirty-five you really can't I can't tell, but it's just beautifully shot and it's just of Dennis Hopper. Like you never see um you never see Orson Wells. He's behind the camera. But you can hear him and hear him talk and it's just these two talking about 1970 and the state of the world, uh, the, uh, cinema politics, uh, TV news, news on TV, um, uh, him making the last movie, which he was in the, in the middle, in the midst of, and, uh, and like, you know, gossip, uh, and like, you know, image and, you know, being an actor, being a director, all of these things. And it's just this beautiful, beautiful conversation between these two men who, you know, are known to be, you know, are known to be troubled, <coughs> troubled entities in their lives. I mean, we've heard the stories about both of these men, but you find it's like through Hopper and through the interview and seeing Hopper react to to the way that Wells is asking questions and what and how Wells is poking and prodding him. You see that these two men are kind of like it's the old guard, new guard. And you see them as almost like kindred spirits, uh, you know, and it's it's quite a fascinating uh, document. I don't know if it's really a documentary because it's it's kind of part interview, part documentary, part false, part reality I mean it, it's a hundred percent Orson Wells that's the thing I, I I honestly got out of out of the film after I I finished it it was that it was a hundred percent Orson Wells um, it was very Wellesian in, in, in like you know if there's that kind of term um, like the confidential report uh, where it's not really fiction it's not really real like you know it's not fiction it's not nonfiction it's somewhere in between Uh and you can definitely tell, you can hear Orson Welles smile at the on the other side of the camera as he's as he's having this conversation with Dennis Hopper. And uh, when it comes to Netflix, because it is um, it is owned by Netflix, uh, they picked it up at the same. I guess they like it wasn't really discussed after the Q and A, but it sounded like it was something that isn't like is an addition to the other side of the wind which netflix flicks produced so they have this other thing that will be coming soon and hopefully fairly soon because i really would love for people to see it because it's a very timely thing also i know it was filmed 50 years ago but in my review and i suggest people read my review of it um i talk about how Fifty years ago, I don't think that people would have been ready for this conversation, but because of what's transpired and what we're going through in twenty twenty, I feel like the conversation that they're having is absolutely hundred percent a twenty twenty conversation. It's almost eerie what they talk about. Um and I hope that it, it does get out fairly shortly because it, it's it's just a great document. Um and if you're a if you're a true cineast or film uh, film fan, then you're you're gonna wanna watch this. The other film uh, is, like I was saying, the lost, forgotten uh, Dennis Hopper directed film called Out of the Blue, starring Linda Mance. And, man, talk about a sucker punch of a fucking movie. Um, from what I understand, Hopper took over this film about halfway through filming because the producers were not happy with the uh, with what was being what was what was being put on film, and then over a weekend he rewrote this thing um, after spending time with actress Linda Mance, who most people will know from uh, Days of Heaven. Uh, she was the little girl with the raspy voice, the very particular voice. And um, man, if more filmmakers could make uh, could cr- produce a script that th- that Hopper produced over a fucking weekend. Because from what I understand, it is a completely different uh, different script than what they, what they initially had. It was a very kind of, like, the original thing was a very kind of after-school special. They had fucking Raymond Burr playing a, a psychologist. A child psychologist slash social worker that tries to help this girl out of a bad situation. And what Dennis Hopper did was took all the stupid shit, all of the fucking Hollywood out of it and what he put in was a big heaping pile of nihilistic realism in it and it's harrowing to say the least it's it's amazing i mean there's the work that he does here is like next level good there's a section of the movie where mance goes out um her name is Cb um cb like actually goes out on the town And like literally, like hitchhikes into the big city, and then has this night, um, with all of these kids in this punk rock, uh, in this punk rock club with this punk rock band, like one of her favorite bands, I guess. Uh, like and the energy and the way that it's shot and edited and the performances in this like like this fifteen to twenty minute section is it really honestly it feels like truly like the way that that you feel when you're sneaking out as a teenager and going to some place there's a danger to it there's this unpredictability um the kids are really real like there it's raw it's unfiltered it's kind of brilliant and dangerous and all the right ways. Um, it makes you, like this movie makes you uncomfortable, but it makes you uncomfortable in the way that you should feel uncomfortable. Uh, that this 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 little 14-year-old, 15-year-old girl, uh, Mance was um, 18 or 19 at the time, who's literally being, abused in so many ways by her her drug uh, her drug abusing mother and her alcoholic father who just got released out of prison and it is a it is a hell of a fucking movie like the ending it just leaves you floored i remember like actually like when i saw the final 10 minutes i just i was stunned and by the end of it when it finished um I, it just literally felt like I was sucker punched, and, and you know what? I think that Hopper probably would have like smiled and nodded, like if like if he had saw my reaction, because I think that that's what he wanted. This is a true like nihilistic portrait of a of a young woman that literally has no options and doesn't feel like she has any options, and it's it's both. Beautiful in the performance that Vance gives, but it's also at the same time, um, truly harrowing. Um, this is a film that I feel is like, you know, should be discovered, should be rediscovered. I know like, um, at the beginning of the film, when it played, uh, there's a. There's a caption that comes up that says that it was being presented by Chloe Saving and Natasha Leone. And I can absolutely 100% see why they wanted to present this film and bring this back from, like, you know, from forgottenness. Because, like, in a lot of ways, it feels like the kind of work that both Leone and... Savine did when they were younger when they were kids like there's this raw realness to this um I feel like this movie was like 20 years or 15 years ahead of its time if it had gotten released anywhere between the mid 90s to the early 2000s this would be a fucking classic like no shit no fucking no frills this is I mean it is a classic and I'm glad that it got restored. It's, it looks beautiful. Um thankfully AFI did the right thing and got this great streaming app. So when I saw it, it, it like it's the 4K restored picture and it just looks gorgeous. I really do hope like from what I what it sounds like the um the producers of the restoration and uh the owners of the film are looking for a blu-ray distribution deal or, or they already have one i'm not 100 sure about it but it's something to keep an eye on write it down like out of the blue um it, like go check out the the trailer for it uh it, it's just a gorgeous gorgeous fucking movie um uh, a brutal movie but i think a very vital movie i think that if there could be more more movies like this about youth, I think that people would understand a lot more about how hard it is for young people, especially people like the CB character. Um, um, but it's also just really, really, really fucking good filmmaking. And I know I've said that a whole bunch of times and I use the word fuck a lot, but uh, I, I'm really excited about this film. Um and its prospects of being released uh just like the last movie like I was super excited when that got released um I feel like Hopper really tried to push boundaries and talk about things and say things um especially at a time when things were starting to turn and he like he had a moment where he said a lot of things and he wanted to say more but it just like fate intervened much like like it's very it's very interesting i i find it very like very fascinating that hoppers and well hopper and wells were friends because they both had these explosions they were both actors before they became directors and then when they became directors their debuts as directors were like these cultural explosions that changed things. And then their next films respectively got buried and fucking killed and murdered. But luckily for us, Hopper's original vision for the last movie still stands. And you can watch it. You can watch it on Blu-ray. It's a beautiful film. I love that film. I'm, I might actually have to, like talking about it, I might have to actually watch it again. Um, but I mean, like with Wells, he wasn't, he wasn't as, like we weren't, not he wasn't, but we weren't as lucky with The Magnificent Ambersons. Like, I still, like, I've I've seen that movie twice, maybe three times in my life. And every time I, like, the times, the two, the both times I watched it, I can just feel, like, I don't have any attraction to watching it again because I can just feel the incomplete nature of it. And I can feel the groan from Orson Wells. Like you know, from the great beyond, not wanting anybody to see it, hoping to God that somewhere in, like, you know, at some point, a la Metropolis will find like the missing footage. Unfortunately, we probably won't. Um, but yeah, yeah, um, go check both these out. Uh, you will be able to hopefully soon with Hopper's Wells, out of the blue, um, you know. We'll keep your eyes peeled for Blu- or Blu-ray for that, um, and yeah, well that about does it for for me right now. Uh, we'll be back next week. Uh, we're actually gonna have a guest on next week. Uh, I'm gonna leave that as a surprise, but yeah, we're gonna have a guest on. Uh, gonna be talking about Halloween and horror films and all that good shit. Um, and you'll just have to tune in to see uh, to talk about uh, to listen in on what we're gonna be talking about and who we're talking with. So. Um, uh, you can always reach out to us, Twitter and Instagram, uh, the B movie podcast, Twitters and Instagrams are the B movie pod, the letter B, the word movie, the word pod all together. No lines, no dashes, no bullshit. Uh, the movie aisle, uh, are my website, uh, the landing page for the B or the, the, I'm sorry, not the landing page, but the hosting site for the B movie podcast, Twitter and Instagram, the movie aisle, no lines, no dashes, no bullshit, just the movie aisle, um, I would definitely suggest you guys, uh, like, you know, following us on Instagram, uh, not the Twitters because Twitter, like, it's more of a landing page. It's more of like letting you know, uh, when the reviews are posting. But if you want that, absolutely go for that. Um, uh, but Instagram, we're a little bit more social. So shall we say, but with that, we'll talk to you guys soon.